0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast where you will find family, discover purpose and change the world. We're so glad you're here
1: and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through
0: this message.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Let's uh Let's hope let's hope we're there at the end. So we're there at the beginning, let's hope we're there at the end. Take a seat. Uh I'm not going to stay long today, but I, I have a word for you this morning, and uh, you made a great choice coming to church today in July. You could have come up with a reason to roll over and go to brunch, but you came to God's house, and I pray you're going to get a word out of it. So I'm not going to stay long this morning, because uh, my mom taught me that you don't overstay. You're welcome the first time you go over to somebody's house. You ever had one of those people in your life, and it's like, you know, you start doing the, so I got to get up early tomorrow. You know, you're waiting for them to go home, and they haven't figured out it's time to go home yet. You got any of those? Yeah. So I'm not going to do that to you. Here's what I came to, to tell you today. Um, my God can. And uh, and my God will. And even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down. So if you got that, you got the whole message. Uh, so maybe we'll try it a little back and forth. I spent uh, two years of my life as the teaching pastor at a great historically black church, Faithful Central Bible Church in Inglewood, California, under Bishop and, uh And so I'm thrilled to be with some folks who who like to talk back during church. Uh, Among your among the many traditions that I love. So I'll just I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it again and see if I can get a witness anywhere in the room. Uh, My God can, and uh, my God will, and even if He doesn't, I'm still not gonna buy it. So uh, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to the Book of Daniel in chapter three. Book of Daniel in chapter three. I uh, I don't bring any great wisdom to you this morning, but uh, I have this book in my hands right now, and uh, this book has every answer that you're looking for. Doesn't matter what the question is, this book has the answers. And culture would tell you out there that the Bible is outdated or the Bible is old-fashioned or the Bible. No, ma- sometimes people holding the Bible aren't doing it any favors. And we have we're learning. Uh, I pastor a church over in Palatine, and uh, we're learning to pull apart what people say the Bible says, and what the Bible actually says. Because usually when you get down to it, the problem is the person holding the book, not the book itself. This book has satisfied the greatest minds and most brilliant people over 2,000 years of biblical Christianity. And I can promise it's going to do us just fine in the 2020s if we follow it as well. So Daniel chapter 3, you may know the story. It's uh, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel's three friends. So I'm going to teach you the whole chapter, and when I finish teaching the whole chapter, I'm done. It says this, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose, uh, this is verse 1, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps and the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So... Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices and the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the hornpipe lyre trigon harp bagpipe Kind of sounds like a bad St. Patrick's Day band, doesn't it? Isn't it? And every kind of music you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Verse seven, therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people, nations, languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set
0: up. So, uh, pause. Proximity to power is power. I learned that, uh,
1: some years ago, I read this book, George Bush, uh, W, uh, wrote a book about his dad, George HW. And I, and I know, you know how Kanye feels about them, but I'm just going to try to bring it, uh, to you. If, if you know, you know, I, uh, they were talking about, uh, when dad was running for president way back in 1988 or something, they said, uh, son was like, what kind of job am I going to have on the campaign? I want to help dad get elected president. So what kind of job am I going to have on the campaign? And they're in this big meeting. And dad looks at son and says, you don't need a job title. Just by speaking as my son, you already have influence because proximity to power is power. Proximity to power is power. Now I'm going I'm to take you all the way down at the end to the reality that you, by very nature of being in a room where God promises to be this morning, have access to all the power in the universe. There is nothing in any other room that is more than what is this room right now, because God's word promises that when people gather in his name, he's with us. And if he's with us, then we have everything we need. And we sang about that a bunch this morning. Uh, Proximity to power is power. So the beginning of this story, maybe you worked at a company like this, or maybe you had a boss like this. Uh, There's this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, and he's like, hey, I'm going to get everybody together for a big meeting. You ever get one of those meetings where it's like, I don't totally know what this is about, but everybody's here. So probably not good news, you know, kind of one of those he says, guys, this is going to be great. I got a new idea. And the new idea is uh, I made this statue. It's about 90 feet tall and about nine feet wide. And uh, it's kind of kind of Washington Monument kind of vibe It's going to it. yeah. gonna be great. Uh, the band's going to kick up a little jig. And you guys are going to love it. Uh, when the band kicks up the, kicks up the jig, what's going to happen is you're all going to fall on your faces. And you're going to worship the statue. Because when you worship the statue, you're worshiping me. And, uh, you know, we're kind of a modern you know like laissez-faire kind of company so you don't have to we're not going to make you it's just that if you if if you don't we're gonna we're gonna throw you into into this big fire uh so you don't have to you don't have to you know it's it's like that you're working one of those places that has unlimited days off then like that tricks you because then you always kind of feel guilty anytime you take a day off that was a good little scam they pulled the so no problem don't you don't have to buy on the statue i want to be real clear you don't have to but, but if you don't, we're going we're gonna to throw you in the fire. And so you know what happens because you've probably worked at a place like this or been in a place like this or been in a country like this one where uh, the music starts playing, and what happens? Pretty much everybody bows down because people just go along because they're trying to get close to power. Because proximity to power is power. And the reason why people often go along with foolish rulers is because of what they have in mind that they're going to get out of it. But it's also true that proximity to power is, power is also true for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Isaiah 43 promises that uh, when you go through the fire, I, says the Lord, will be with you. Uh, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, wait for it, a uh, very present help in time of trouble. So both of those verses say is that, you know, people go away when times get tough. You know, like they just had another one of those power balls, like someone won a billion dollars. And I know church folks would never buy a lottery ticket, especially not a church pastor by like, you know, the handsome Dave Ramsey over there in the front row or whatever he's got going. I'm sure none of y'all would ever buy uh, a lottery ticket. You would never be so, so carnal and foolish. But I know whoever that person is that won all that money. I mean, how many friends you think they got all of a sudden? And then I've watched those documentaries before about people that won the lottery. You ever watch those? We're like 12 years from now, whoever won that thing is going to be broke. And how many of those friends are still going to be answering the phone? But our God says something very different. He says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. And I am a very present help in time of trouble. Meaning, when people walk away, God
0: comes close. Because proximity to power is power so the story continues uh therefore
1: at that time certain chaldeans came forward and uh maliciously accused the jews that's racism right there i don't know if you can see it in your bible they declared to king nebuchadnezzar O oh, king live forever you king have made this decree that every person who's hears the sound of the horn and the pipe and the lyre and the harp and the trigon and the bagpipe and every kind of music everyone who hears it shall fall down and worship the golden Image and whoever does not fall down shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see it there? He says, There are certain Jews. It's like he's doing a those people. You know, there's these people and those people and these people think they're better than those people, and so these people at every opportunity have to point out that it's those people over there. They say the Jews, which this is not part of the message today, but uh, hatred for God's chosen people you will find in every generation and every place in the world. It is irrational and it is evil, which is why you know that it's not natural. It's supernatural. So this is um what's happening here is persecution. Persecution is say you don't believe in jesus or else say you don't believe in jesus or else and uh, because we live in a free country sometimes we misunderstand what persecution actually is um and i'm gonna
0: be try to be careful here but uh should i say it should i this is are we are we friends here should i can i say it pastor can I feel a little nervous to say it. Uh, white conservative Christians love to call any inconvenience persecution. Sorry, that was the thing I wasn't sure I wanted to say.
1: And they uh, they love to put on their persecution hat, which is anything that inconveniences me, if I throw the word persecution on it, it means that it's spiritual. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, you got a little quiet there, do So. Just be. We want to be clear that we know what persecution is and isn't. Persecution is not any restriction on my autonomy. It's not persecution for someone to tell you there's something you can't do. It's not persecution that we have laws that say how fast you can drive. It's not persecution that we say if your kids want to go to school, we need to know that they There's not going to be sick and make everybody else sick. It is not persecution to have a restriction on your autonomy. It is also not persecution uh, when you get the fair consequences of your poor behavior. I got fired from my job. It was persecution. Oh, man, that doesn't sound too good. What? They fired you because you don't believe in Jesus? No, it was like the sixth time I was late, and then like they said I couldn't work there anymore. It's not not persecution. You're just lazy. It's also not persecution uh, when you face the factual rebuttal of your
0: ideas or opinions. So, If, if I say that uh, the Bears are going to win every game this season and you
1: say to me, I've been alive however many years, and I mean, even that one time that they're still talking about like about the year I was born that they won the Super Bowl, they lost one game and they're still talking about it. It was the 1980s and they're still talking about it like it was yesterday. But even in that season, they didn't win all the games. So if I said to you, they're not going to win every game this season because they've never won every game before. You can't say, disagreeing with me, that's persecution. You see, when we cheapen ideas by lowering what they really are more and more and more, we restrict our ability to meaningfully care. Do you know there's people all over the country, uh, all over the world today, that are showing up in houses of worship, places like this, wondering who's going to be waiting at the door when they leave? And I doubt one person drove into the parking lot of this beautiful high school this morning and said, I wonder if someone's going to kill me for coming to church when I leave. That's what real persecution is. And that's what these guys in Daniel chapter three are facing. So the, the king says, verse 13, in furious rage that he commanded that these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true He's been like in therapy, do you see? Because he starts with a question, not with an accusation. This guy Nebuchadnezzar's been to like a marriage counselor or something, or you see, because he says, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve the gods or, or worship the golden image that I've set up?" Verse 15. Now, if you're ready when you hear the sound of the music to fall down and worship the image I made, then it's all good. But if you don't worship, You shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Wait for it. And who
0: is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? That's called foreshadowing. He says, so, hey, hey, it's cool. Maybe we had a failure in communication. We misunderstood
1: each other. So just cool. Let me just make sure. Let me just run it over again. You hear the music, you bow down. And and, so if you get it this time, no problem. But if you don't, um, we got this thing over here and it's 20 feet high and it's about 10 feet wide and it's been filled with wood and fire burning all day long. It's how we're heating the palace. It's how we're cooking our food. It's the center of the whole place. And we're gonna throw you right into the middle of that thing if you don't. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16. They answered and they
0: said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve
1: is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not? Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You saw my whole message in that verse. Do you remember it? My God can. And my God will. And even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down. They said, now, so here's the deal. We just got, we're not going to play this back and forth game. We're not going to like get into a whole debate or a whole conversation. If this was like the nineties, you know, remember that one, when it was like talk to the hand, do you remember that one? That was like a thing. They're like, we're not going to do this like whole deal. We're not going to do it with you, but here's what you got to know. We have a God and he can fix this whole thing with a snap of a fingers. And we have faith that he's going to snap. Fix this whole thing with the snap of his fingers. And maybe he's not going to. But no matter what happens, I'm not going to bow down to that stupid statue. You could just take that to the bank right now. That's what they say.
0: So, um, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, says, verse 19.
1: And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like that. The expression of his face was changed. Did your mom have a face? The one where you knew this wasn't like normal, everyday trouble. This was like real trouble. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. It says that his whole he was like, whatever happened, his face was rearranged because he was so angry. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. This uh, made me think of my beloved wife who's leading our church in Palatine this morning because we have a very strong marital disconnect on the appropriate temperature. The room that we sleep in in the summertime. Anybody resemble this problem? Anybody know? I'm like, we live in the 2020s, and I work too. Insert word hard to not be cool enough when I'm trying to sleep. And this beautiful woman, if it was 90 degrees, she'd be like, more, 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 more. I just, I can't. Sorry, I'm. You're just. I'm just venting now. But he says, so it was hot enough to kill him, and he says seven times more. He ordered some of the mighty men, verse 20, uh, of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And so the men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats. So this is dried out thread about to be thrown into a fire. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 22, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, they all three of them fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Uh, just as you're learning to study the Bible, notice these details are put in there so that you know, so everybody knows there's a miracle that's about to happen, right? And they put these little details in here so that you know that the miracle wasn't just like a normal thing that happened, and then like, they tried later to say it was a miracle. So they're, they're making sure that you know that it's about to be a miracle saying, you know how hot this thing was? It was so hot that the guys who threw them into the fire died from the fire.
0: So don't be trying to show up and say later, it was just like, you know, they fell on a tanning bed and a little burn and now they're fine or whatever.
1: Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. You're about to get really excited. He declared to his counselors, didn't we put three men in the fire? They answered and said, like, I love this part, right? Like, as if the guys are going to disagree him on the day he's throwing people into the fire. They're like, yep, true, totally, yeah. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. Wait for it. And the appearance of this pagan king, pagan king says the appearance of the fourth
0: is like a son of the gods not like a son of the gods i uh earlier this morning
1: had like a little moment because i become uh friends with your pastors here and uh i really love them they're great folks and uh I was walking down the hallway and uh, I just got in here and I saw this woman and I was like, now,
0: nah, that sure looks like Ty. I th- sure looks like her, but I don't, is it her? I sh- sure looks
1: like her, but, and I kind of did that thing. But then when you're like, you know, a man and you're getting to a certain age, you don't want to do that creepy thing where you're like looking for too long, you know, kind of. So I just kind of, she's got a twin. She has a twin. Looks like her, but isn't her. Made perfect sense then. But that's not what's happening here when he sees the fourth person in the fire and says it looks like a son of the gods. He's just confused. So this really happened. This really happened. This is not a fairy tale. This is not some like Marvel thing. This is not made up. This is not the Barbie movie. This is a real thing. Okay. Now imagine this moment that happened on this planet. These guys, they're like, Give their big speech, you know? Like, Can and he will, like I don't know. So like, either way, we're not bound on the stupid statue. And then the seconds tick by, because you know how it's easy to have faith at the beginning, and then it's like now they put all their clothes on, and now they tie them up, and now they're carrying them up the stairs. And I wonder if one of them whispered to the other, like, "Well, that was good speech, because I guess it's going towards the, if not." Have you noticed this God like almost never shows up early? I mean, he is, if anything, like right on time. I mean, the food is on its way in the waiter's hand to the table when God slides in for the meal. Why? Because is our faith built more after he comes through or while we're waiting for him to come through? Do we pray better when we're waiting for the answer or after we get the answer? We hate the part where we're waiting, but God loves what's happening in you while you're waiting, don't you know, in church today?
0: And so they're they're like, okay, I guess it's I guess it's if not. And then I don't know if they closed their
1: eyes, if they held hands, I don't know how it all went, if they pushed them off, or but all of a sudden they fall. The best way we can read that maybe they're like twenty feet up and they fall into the fire.
0: And what do you think it was like when they opened their eyes? And, you know, they were like. And then it was so obvious that the extra person there was a pre-incarnate
1: before he came to earth, Jesus Christ, that even the person who hated God was like, just by the looks of that dude, he must be the son of God. And they opened their eyes and he wasn't like in a dream He was right there
0: with them in the fire. And then it says this. I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire
1: and they're not hurt. The appearance of the fourth is like the son of the God. So Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and he said, now Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and all the guys, the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors, they gathered together and they saw that the fire had no power over the bodies of those men. The hairs of their head was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come before them. So then Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, verse 28, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel, delivered his servants who trusted in him. He set aside the king's command. He yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of these guys shall be torn limb from limb. Their houses are in ruins, there's no other god who can rescue in this way. And so then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now I want to make this about your life.
0: So um, like I said, I'm not going to be long. They got to the fire and Jesus was already there. They got to the fire and Jesus was already there. I want Jesus to be in the
1: fire with me. Anybody, can I get like a way? Cause it's like, if I know that he's there, then I know that it's gonna be okay. And so I, I just have a few questions. How do I make sure that Jesus is with me in the fire? One. Am I willing to be an understudy? So this is, if you know about the story of Daniel, Daniel's the star, that's why they named the book after him. These are kind of like the other people in Destiny's Child, other than Beyonce, is kind of like these guys here. Is that, right? I
0: mean, yeah, it's... And they got this, like, one moment that they were ready. And they were blooming, filled up with faith,
1: in the role that God had called them to, while they were waiting by faith for something else. It's amazing how many people have walk around with this idea, I'm going to be generous when I'm rich. I'm going to be pure once I'm married. I'm going to be
0: a hard worker once I'm a boss. If you're not the thing now, more is not going to make you more that way.
1: I I don't know where you've been in life. I've met some miserable rich people. And you ever have that thing of like when some celebrity couple breaks up and you say to yourself, he ran around on that girl? Which says to you that the problem isn't with that girl, the problem is with the guy to begin with. Am I telling the truth? Am I I wasn't saying always the guy. That was you added that. I was not saying always the guy. You added that, and I heard you on the stage, and that's a different message. For a different day, it's a different message for a different day, and that was funny, and it is often, and you're smiling, and there's a guy with his arm around you, so I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to move away from the whole conversation, but praise the good Lord. Woo, boy. Two, am I preparing now for my moment to shine later? They didn't find the faith to stand strong when they got in front of the king. They had been developing that in the dark for a long time. I believe by faith, there's going to be a day where this church would not fit if you had every seat in this room. I I can see it by faith. Can you see it from here? I can see it from here. But the servants that are needed and the generosity that's needed and the faith that's needed is it gonna show up the day the place is overfull? We have to be building it right now. I wanna praise the Lord for the team that led worship on this stage this morning. They couldn't, wait, 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 wait. They couldn't have given it more if there were 10,000 people in this room. And when we give God everything we have right now, it's preparing us for the more that he's already willing to do. Three, how do I make sure that Jesus is with me in the fire? <laughs> I have to make sure I answer this important question. Am I in the fire as a consequence or a trial? I didn't bring a hat for this one, but it's similar. Christians have a way of putting those two things together, praying for God to deliver them from a trial that is nothing more than the inevitable consequences of the choices that they've already made. I, uh, I'm a bad driver. I, um, I try to tell that to every group that I get in front of because if they happen to see me somewhere, they don't like flip the bird at me or something. They're like, oh, he did tell us he was a bad driver. So I can see why he's just, I just, I understand that this is, uh, I just, I always just in my, when I'm driving, I sort of feel like the, the rules are all more suggestions than rules. And, and I understand that I'm speaking from a place of extreme privilege and saying that, so please don't judge me for it. I just... I was doing fine until they installed those cameras up on the lights, and then the mail started showing up at my house, and all of a sudden, there was a I there was a day, I think I had like four of those tickets from running, and my wife was none too pleased, so I couldn't run to the front of the church and say, Lord, please deliver me from this trial. You have called me to, I have all these tickets that I didn't deserve, Lord, please deliver me from this trial. No, I was an idiot, I deserved it, and all I needed to do was say I was sorry, pay the bill and move on with my day. But too often, people of faith label the consequences of our bad decisions as a trial we're begging God to deliver us from. Now, this gets a little, Jesus is with us all the same no matter what, but he is uniquely with us and uniquely graces us for the trials that he brings us through for his glory in a different way than the consequences that he brings us through for discipline, for our good. It takes a maturity to be able to see the difference. If I want Jesus to be with me in the fire, I have to make sure that I'm not there because I threw myself in there. What did these three guys do to deserve to be in that fire? All they did was wake up and walk by faith, which is why they had unique grace for the trial. Am I, how do I make sure Jesus is with me in the fire? Two more. Um, are the people around me willing to go to the fire with me? You can't miss in the story. It's amazing. These three guys, they talk in, in unison. It makes me laugh. I'm, I, I, uh, I have a wife and four kids, uh, 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old boy, and a five-year-old daughter. And uh, I'm starting to meet some of my 14-year-old boy's friends. And it always makes me laugh how... Uh, all of the teenage girls that he knows, all dressed as the exact same. Let me see the exact same. It's like a white tank top with a belly button showing, and like about half of a pair of shorts, and uh, and a pair of Nikes. And you can see like seven of them, and they're all wearing the. It's like a uniform, you know. They they dress in unison. These guys in the story, they're uh, they talk in unison. So I don't know if it's like one guy said, I I imagine in my mind, maybe they like alternated words as they were giving the speech, you know, like even if he, you know, or I don't know how they did it, but they move in unison. And I wonder how many people, well, let me say this, what would have happened if
0: Shadrach bowed the knee? Would the other two guys have been kind of like, what if Shadrach and Meshach bend the knee? What would happen to Abednego? You can't miss in the story that
1: there is strength because of three people of faith. It's three people of faith. And I've been around church my whole life, and I have known so many people who had a desire to have, even if he doesn't faith, but were surrounded by foolish people all around. And like the story Jesus tells about the seed, they got choked by the concerns of this world. You know, it's a question that a lot of people are answering, or asking in this day and time, like, what's the point of getting involved in a church when you could watch, I mean, you guys are here and you could be listening to Bishop Jakes, right? Like, I mean, you made a choice. I think this is going decent, but I mean, no LeBron, you know, and uh, you can get the word of God anywhere you can only get the family of God in a room at a time with some people. And the reason why we prioritize getting to God's house, building relationships, investing, the reason why it is so important is because isolation destroys my faith. I don't do my best thinking when I'm by myself. I don't do my best thinking when I've been all alone for too long. And so I wonder... Are the people around you, if you have to go to the fire, are they still going to be there with you? Or are they going to disappear? Five. How do I make sure Jesus is with me in the fire? We're getting close to done now. So whoever's going to come and play some music to help us get to the end can assemble. I hear them coming. I used to be a a worship leader, you know, and I, I always hated when they would make it too fast at the end. So I just, we're not all the way there, but we're getting there. We're getting there so um fifth question how do i make
0: sure jesus is with me in the fire thanks guys do i have if not faith a different way of asking that question is how do i behave when god doesn't behave the way i want him to we're going to the the deep end now um The first two parts of this are easy.
1: My God can, that's pretty easy. I mean, I've seen the sunset, I've seen the stars. Last week I was on vacation with my family, I saw the Grand Canyon. Like, if he could make the Grand Canyon, he can deal with whatever my problem is. Can is pretty easy. Can I get a witness? Can is pretty easy. And will just requires knowledge of who God is. So knowing that he can and believing that he will, Those are the easy two parts. And a lot of people may have preached to you in your life that that's where it ends. And a lot of people in your life may have given you the message, if you just have enough faith, it's all gonna work out. If you just have enough faith, it's all gonna work out. If you just have enough faith and the check is big enough as you walk out the door, it's all gonna work out. And then cancer comes
0: she's gone and then my options are so so uh i
1: know to look at me you uh may not know this but i've uh, never been in a fight i know i kind of look like a mma fighter or whatever you know that's kind of like the vibe former college hooper i know and uh the closest i've ever been to being in a fight in my life i'll tell you when it was uh my family moved we were living in a cul-de-sac we met some of the people we met this beautiful family across the street Got to know them, they had kids, whatever, and one of their daughters was she had she was missing an arm, like all the way up almost to the shoulder. Slowly so but surely the story came out, and the dad told me angrily one day we were going to a church, and they told me at the church that if I would have had more and better faith, that her arm wouldn't have needed to be amputated. And I tell you, I wanted to go get a baseball bat and be like, all right, just tell me his address, tell me who that pastor was. Because this is the hard part of the faith. The God that we serve is not a genie like the story of Aladdin where if we just say the magic potion with just the right words and if we just have the perfect message and if I just can work myself into more of a frenzy then I'm guaranteed to get what I want, that's not the way it works. My God can, my God will, and sometimes he doesn't. Like sometimes God chooses to allow cancer to win in this life. Doesn't win in eternity. Sometimes I pray and pray and go to counseling and pray and read a book and go to counseling and it still ends in divorce. Sometimes I took that kid to church every stinking Sunday and signed them up for every single thing and now they're a prodigal and I'm praying and praying and praying. When is the prodigal gonna come home and I'm praying and praying and praying and praying. And where the rubber meets the road of my faith is what happens to my faith when God doesn't do the thing that I want him to do. It gets real like sticky right in here. It's, it's just challenging right here. It gets real challenging because we still have to have my God can. It's not that he's lacking in the ability. I promise you. And it's also not that he's lacking in willingness. You can find churches where they're like, yeah, God used to do stuff and like, Since World War II, we've just been kind of coasting and nothing much has happened at all. No, I believe that God is working today and he is doing miracles today and he is healing people today and he is delivering people today and he is saving people today. And the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is working in just as much power today as he was 2,000 years ago and every day since. And sometimes his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways and he allows things because of the brokenness of sin in this world that I would never choose. And I can choose to say my God can, my God will. And even if he doesn't, I'm still not gonna bow down. I have known people in my life and I bet you've known people in my life too where they were like all about going to church and they were all about faith. And then something happened where things didn't pan out and then they just disappeared. And they, who knows some people like that? You could pull them up. Yeah, and they're like probably posting on Facebook from brunch right now and they're not in church anymore because their faith was tied to an outcome. My faith is not tied to an outcome. My faith is tied to a person. He was with them in the fire, and He is going to be with you in the fire. My God can, which means He has the ability to. My God will, which means He wants to make things right in His time and in His way. My God can heal cancer. My God will heal cancer and even if he doesn't, I'm not going to stop praising him anyway, and my God can bring the Prodigal home, and I believe by faith my God will bring the Prodigal home, and even if he doesn't do it on my timetable, I'm not going to bow down, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to pack it in, I'm not going to stop believing, I'm not going to stop praising, I'm not going to stop giving, I'm not going to stop serving, my God can, my God will, and even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down, because we see fire as a punishment. We see the fire as a a penalty. But a person paying careful attention to scripture would see that when they were thrown into the fire, they were being sent into the only place that could ensure the presence of God. When Moses went to the burning bush, God was there. When the pillar of fire was leading the Israelites across the wilderness, The fire was there. God was there. when At Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, the fire, God was there. When Elijah and the prophets fought on the top of the mountain, the fire was not a picture of a punishment. It was a picture of God showing up to win the battle. In the book of Ezekiel, fire is a picture of God's throne. And in the New Testament, God describes the fire himself as a consuming fire. So we see the fire as like, what did I do wrong? God sees the fire as you are right where I want you right now. I am here with you in the fire. I'm not gonna leave you alone in the fire because what does the text say? The text says that their hair was not singed, their cloak was not burned. No matter how hot the fire God brings you through, he can take you to a place where you won't look like what you've been through. So we show up at church sometimes, I'm really almost done now, I promise. I'm not gonna do that preacher thing where it's like eight almost done. This is like maybe one or maybe one more after this if it's going good, I promise. I'm right here now at the end. We show up at church sometimes i don't know if you've ever been there i've been in church for days where i was like they all must know they must be able to see in my face i sat in my car and i didn't want to come in because i thought he doesn't want to receive praise from this simple person i thought man i don't i've been in some fires I was like, I, I, I can't go back to church. That's the last place I want to be. Sometimes the house of God isn't always the friendliest place for the people in the fire. I'm persuaded of better things concerning you. Because it's when it's still a wound, you know, it just feels like it's bleeding and oozing and someone can touch it accidentally and all of a sudden you're like, And when you're in the middle of that deep, dark fire, and it is so difficult, it feels like no matter what I see, it's like, I hate that word, but it's like I'm triggered everywhere I go. And then over time, God uses the fire to turn a wound into a scar. Do you know the difference? A wound hurts, a scar tells a story. And the story that it tells is of a God that was with me in the fire. And life is long, and God is gonna bring you around I promise, if you don't know me, if we never met before, I don't look like what I've been through. Not because of anything special about me, because the kindness of a great God who is with me in the fire. So here's what I want to do. Can you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want to just give an opportunity to respond in church today. We may never be in the same room again, uh, this side of heaven, but we share a heavenly Father. So we have everything in common. And I just wanna offer, is there anybody in the room today who would say, I'm in the fire? And I just wanna say a special prayer for you. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm not gonna ask you to say anything, but I do wanna allow you to identify yourself. Would you, if you're in the fire now, would you just stand to your feet just quietly and quickly? I just wanna be able to pray for all those who are there. My God can, my God will. And even if he doesn't, until he does, I'm not gonna bow down, I'm not gonna give in to idols, I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding, I'm not gonna solve my problems in a sinful way. There's people all over the room. Anybody else, just another moment here now. Let's pray together. Lord, I believe by faith that you are in this room with us right now, that your spirit is moving. for every, every person, Lord, who is uh, opening themselves up right now to you, I know that you look all across this room right now in your glory, and you can see the circumstances of every person. I want to pray, Lord, that you overwhelm them this morning with this truth. They are not alone. They're not the only one. They're not crazy. They're not making it up. They're not feeling something different than is true. You have brought them to the fire for your glory and your good. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would overwhelm them with the faith to trust you enough to say, we know you have the ability. We believe that victory is certain. And while we're waiting, whether it's in this life or into the next life, while we don't see it the way that we want to see it, we will not bow down to the temptation to worship another God, to believe in another solution. We will trust you no matter what it takes. Lord, would you overwhelm each person here with your presence and the certainty of your glory and their good? I pray it in Jesus' name, which is the name that is above every name, the name that is higher than any name, the name that is over every circumstance. I pray in Jesus' name, would you say amen and stand to your feet? Amen, come on.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out
1: and change the world.